Welcome to the Thanks Therapy podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hello, I am Dr. Emma Lydon. I'm Hannah Lydon, and this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! For doing all you do! Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! Don't really know if you should go, you should give it a try, it could be good for you! Well, Hannah, a lot has happened since we last recorded. It has been quite the time. Yes. To give context to anyone listening to this episode right this moment, this is our first recording session since we launched the podcast and released our first three episodes. Mm -hmm. And And we've released another one since then, so we've got four out in the world. We have been working hard. We We have. have been really pleased that people have actually listened and responded to it and written to us saying very nice things so thank you all very much for doing that it's very nice yeah it's fair to say we were um like shocked but really pleased um that there's so many listeners from all over the world and that people are so enthusiastic about it and really enjoying it we were a little bit freaked out then you know that that puts a little bit of the pressure on well the thing that's happened to me over the past couple of weeks is specific friends have written to me and been like I really like your podcast I like this part of it and then I am like a new kind of embarrassed yes because I imagine them listening to me talk shit yeah and I'm like oh I just when I made a podcast I just thought that strangers would listen to it and not my actual friends well which is nice but it's I know. special kind of embarrassment or something totally. yeah no I, I agree with you completely I, if it's any consolation it is actually mostly strangers it seems are listening okay. to it that does make me feel um, a bit better I, listen why am I complaining it's very nice I know it's brilliant we're we're absolutely delighted um, and we'd just <laughs> like to ask you to do two things for us so one is if you're listening and you enjoy it if you put a little review on it helps other people find it mm. on whatever format you're listening um, and the other thing is, tell a friend about it. Yeah. Like if you tell one friend about it, um, that you think would be interested in it, that could really help us spread the word. And apparently that's one of the best ways to, to advertise something. So please, thank you, please. Any other news? Have you done anything massively significant recently? Oh, I don't know. I maybe, I maybe did. Yes, no, I defended my thesis and, um, and passed it. So I yeah. got my, got my doctorate's all completed. She's now. a doctor. So um, what she's being really humble about is the fact that she has a doctorate now and we can officially call her Dr. Emma Lydon. And that's very big and I saw how hard she worked and she's refusing to be braggy about it. But so I have to do brag on her behalf. Oh, that's so nice. Um, I think the thing is, is that you think you're going to be like, whenever you pass (laughs) it, you think you're going to be like, you know, changing your bank details so that this Dr. (laughs) Emma Lydon and everything. Um, But then you're kind of like, oh, literally nothing has changed. The only thing is, I do think that people should use their title. I think they've earned it. And I think, 
um, although it does make you feel a bit uncomfortable, I think it is actually important to own the thing you have achieved. And so people should use their title. So I will be using my title. Yes, I will also be using my title, which is Lady. <laughs> Did I tell you Do about Chris, this, Chris Lav? So my, one of my best friends, noted academic Christopher Laverty, yes. Dr. Christopher Laverty. He, <laughs> he was telling me that his fiance was laughing at him recently because he was doing like a Tesco online shop uh-huh. and shows doctor from the drop down menu. <laughs> and he was like, you don't need to do that for Tesco online. And his response was, if not now, then when? No, that's And I true. think that's valid. So just introduce yourself from now on at parties, gigs, on here. Say, hello, I'm Dr. Loudon. Yeah, well, one of the ways in which I do it is whenever, like a school or whatever, um, gives me the wrong title, so calls me Mrs. Mm-hmm. I will, I've started responding with, um, you know, signing off, you know, Dr. Emma Loudon. Um, and... They don't read that often. They just come back with misses or, yeah. or miss or whatever. Well, they probably don't care. I know. What's but more it's for just, you? I'm trying to say, I'm not missus. Like, I'm not married. Yeah, you're Could also you not stop? married. Could you stop calling me? Mrs. Loudon is my mother. So can yeah. you please not call me Mrs. Loudon, if at all possible, and stop assuming all women are married? Thanks. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> that, that went in a direction stop I didn't assuming expect. assuming I'm not a lady. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So that was excellent. Well done, Emma. We have Thank to bring you. that up. And she will be now officially introducing herself as Dr. Emma Loudon at the start of this podcast. Yes. Okay, so what are we going to talk about today, Hannah? Right. What are we talking about? Well, I kind of, <coughs> I wanted to do a bit of a consolidation episode because of that feeling of, you know, once those episodes went out into the world, I started thinking about all the things I hadn't said. Mm. And I've gone on a bit of a journey with that because I basically at first spiraled into, oh my God, I'm going to have to correct everything I've ever said ever. Right. Don't, that's not. Um, and, uh, but I've, I've come around to that now. So I was, I was going to do a massive corrections episode this episode because I thought I had to um, correct every previous episode that we'd ever released. I don't think we have to do that. No, I agree. Um, it's just that panic of having stuff out in the world and feeling like you have not mentioned some things. And some people that we know personally had pointed out a few things that we hadn't got quite right. Yeah. Um, stuff. Well, we were given new information. Yes, we were given new information and I think when you give when you're given new information it's okay to kind of come back and say so this is Christmas. Sorry. <laughs> well, That's totally this unnecessary. Is Christmas. <laughs> um okay, so firstly a kind of a small detail that was pointed out um to me by my sister who works in the trust is it is possible to have psychotherapy for free on the trust. Now, there we are had- various reasons why I didn't know this. We had previously said that that was not possible. Yes, I right? said you won't get free psychotherapy on the trust. Yes. Right. Um, but there are, there are psychotherapists that work for the trust. Um, the reason why I wasn't sort of aware that that happened is because you have to be referred by a mental health professional mm-hmm. into those services. So by virtue of that fact, it means that you've entered into the mental health system to a certain degree in order to be referred on to additional services by a mental health professional. So that could be a psychiatrist or it could be a CPN. Um, community practice nurse. Community psychiatric nurse. Cool. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in um, other words, not your GP. 
No, I don't think your GP would be able to refer you directly to, um, like the service that my sister was talking about. I think it's the psychotherapy center. It's called, um, the other reason why I did, I sort of neglected this is because that is how it works here in Belfast or in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. And as I alluded to in the introduction, we have got listeners from all over the world. Yeah. And, um, we have more listeners from places other than Belfast and Northern Ireland than we do have from places from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Yeah, right? which is a trip. So, I didn't expect that. I know, I know. We're delighted. We can't believe it. But at the same time, <laughs> it would be sort of pointless for us to describe how it works here. Yeah. When it's, it's irrelevant to people from, from elsewhere. It, yeah, those things are always so location specific as well. Yes, they are. Actually, one of the things that I um, discovered in kind of just checking some information for today. Um, so... Uh, in terms of mental health professionals in the trust, like the top of the tier is psychiatry, right? And a psychiatrist is a medical doctor who goes to medical school mm-hmm. and then specializes in psychiatry, mm-hmm. right? They're very, very highly trained because they've, they've done their medical degree and then they go and rather than specialize as a thoracic surgeon or whatever, they specialize in psychiatry. So they go and do psychiatric rotation and they do training in psychiatry. They can diagnose mental illness and they can also prescribe medication. Yes, that's okay. the only thing I knew about them before is that they can prescribe. Yeah, so so only a medical doctor can prescribe medication. Yeah. So I can't prescribe medication. I'm a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I'm not qualified to, nor am I qualified to diagnose mm. anything because the only people who can diagnose are psychiatrists and clinical psychologists. They can diagnose mental illness. Yeah. And a GP. Um, there are some other psychologists who can sort of diagnose in that like educational psychologists can do a, an assessment and diagnosis of, you know, learned disabilities and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of mental illness, clinical psychologists, that's why clinical is in the name yeah. because they've been trained in diagnosis. They can't prescribe medication. Okay. Now, the reason why I'm, I am going into this because I feel like I want to have the clarity, but at the same time, it seems super boring. Are you bored, Hannah? Um, I'm learning new information, but I wouldn't say this is a thrill ride. <laughs> is that okay to say that? That was my concern. <laughs> yes. No, it's totally, that's why I need you here to tell me if I'm being super boring. Um, <laughs> But I wanted people to uh, recognize this because, or or you just be aware of it, because I think very often many people will have mental illness or be, um, you know, mentally unwell or have struggles with their mental health for many years and never see a psychiatrist. Yeah. In in the trust. I don't think I've ever seen a psychiatrist. I've just seen therapists and GPs. Yeah. And so um, a psychotherapist generally can't do a diagnosis either except that sometimes psychotherapists people who are qualified as in the technique of psychotherapy and psychoanalysis qualify in that therapeutic technique following qualifying as a psychiatrist oh right so that's how it would have been done especially in the past if you went through and you were qualified as as a psychiatrist um, you were like, okay, well, psychiatry is a treatment that uses medication, but it also uses um, analysis. That's the treatment of mental illness. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I'm going to do my training in 
psychotherapy as well. So in that case, a psychotherapist would could give you a diagnosis because they're actually also a psychiatrist. Um, now, because this is super do- dull, potentially, <laughs> conversation, <laughs> but a detail that for some reason I cannot get past having to pass on, um, I need to bring it back to how it's related to therapy. So uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is, say you were seeing a counsellor, right? Yeah. So remember we talked about, if you look up a counsellor online, um, you will find their qualifications and their membership to whatever body they're a member of. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the BICP um, or the British Psychological Society or the IACP and sometimes uh, more than one membership and then it will say their qualifications so the minimum qualification to be a counsellor is um a diploma in counselling is that a postgraduate not necessarily no No, not necessarily okay you can that that can be an undergraduate qualification it's about the same level as as a um like the second year of a degree right okay right But very often what you'll find is that people will have more qualifications than that. So they'll have a degree in Mm counselling or they'll have an advanced diploma in counselling, which is just below the level of a full foundation degree. Um, Or they'll have a postgraduate certificate. um, And but the minimum qualification that they should have is diploma in counselling. Okay. And but if you're seeing a counsellor and they say to you, oh, you have borderline personality disorder. First of all, you should be very suspect about sus indeed because they're not a psychiatrist or psychiatrist a clinical psychologist or a clinical psychologist yeah yes exactly they're hard words but i am um, this is becoming all more clear in my mind because i didn't know any of this before although yeah. i think like having had experience of therapy if if you're a few sessions in and they're like i think you've got this mm. That's no good. No, I Probably think you're not right. that helpful or conducive to a good program following that because it makes it all about the di- the diagnosis and you're going to go home and Google it and be like, oh my God, this means I'm crazy. Yeah. I think that's bad. Well, I think first of all, if, if somebody who's not qualified to diagnose you offers a diagnosis, um, that that is inappropriate for them to have done that. Because even people will, who will tell you that they've been diagnosed by a psychiatrist or a clinical psychologist or their GP, they will often tell you stories about being misdiagnosed. Yeah. Because diagnosing um, a psychiatric illness is really difficult. Yeah. It's really difficult. Like, it's just not easy at all. Mm-hmm. So um, I would be suspicious about continuing to attend that person because um, they shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's not responsible um and it's also an important important point to make that the diagnosis is not necessarily the important part or the helpful part it can be super helpful to clients but helpful treatment doesn't have to have a diagnosis attached to it yeah yeah like it's not the most it's not the aim of attending counseling or therapy to get a diagnosis because well i mean maybe if it's for something specific like um autism or ADHD or something like that, which is like quite specific. You get specific treatment for something like ADHD. You get a really specific medication. So you can see where it would be important for people if they're like, I really need to get that, you know, what's the word? Official, officially Mm. diagnosed so that I can get the following treatments to help me with this. But for like, well, I can only talk from personal experience, but um, for me, 
diagnosis has never been that crucial to me because mm. I just was turning up to therapy being like, uh, I feel bad and I need help. Um, and it was only a couple of years in when my therapist began what I now look back on and recognize as the process of kind of not diagnosing me, but tailoring the stuff that we were working on mm. to what she suspected I was suffering from mm. without being like, so listen, I think you have this. Yeah. Which for me would not have been helpful. No. And I still don't think it's generally helpful. But um, that can be another kind of approach to diagnosis or around the subject of working with a specific diagnosis. Yeah. Being like, here's what I think you're struggling with. This is a technique that is used to treat that. Mm -hmm. Shall we give it a try? Yes. Um, so for me, that's been perfect because it's not somebody handing me like a scary acronym or like a label and saying, you have this. Yeah. Um, which I think if dealt with in that way would be daunting mm. or like othering for as a client. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking like when I'm saying that that's my experience, that's over a long period of therapy, four mm. years. And it was not within the first two years, definitely. Yeah. And how helpful that is, as you say, depends. Some people really, really benefit or want a definitive diagnosis because they feel that that will help um, their treatment be more effective. And I think the unfortunate thing is, is that, and just so many people that I've spoken to um, have, when they talk about their mental health journey of trying to find a um, an effective treatment it is a lot of trial and error and like just getting it wrong a good proportion yeah. of the time you know and that is unfortunate but um, I think we've said from the start that a diagnosis is not indicated by attendance at therapy nor is it a requirement for engaging absolutely you know yeah um yeah I think a lot of the time that is what stops people is like well you know I don't have there's people out there with such and such mm -hmm. or, you know, clinical depression. Mm. You don't need to have any of that shit. You can be, you can be pretty well functioning to still want to go and learn more about yourself. Yeah. Okay. So another thing that I felt that we had, um, missed talking about and any counselors who were listening were probably like, what? You the missed like the it? first thing to talk about is, um, confidentiality. Yes. When you pointed out to me that we hadn't mentioned this, I was like, that's actually a bit embarrassing. Yeah, it was a bit of an omission. Um, Fatty, it's really important. Yeah. So in the biz, we talk about contracting. So making a contract with a client. But from a client perspective, you probably think of it as a confidentiality agreement. Yeah. And again, this is a protection for you, both legally and psychologically. And it allows you to follow through on the fundamental rule that we talked about. So you have to know that your therapist is not going to share what you tell them with the next client or people on the street or whatever. And you want your information to be kept private. Yeah. So that facilitates you sharing private things and things you find shameful about yourself. Mm -hmm. But an additional aspect to the counselling contract is that there's a limit to confidentiality. And anybody who's been to counselling, I'm sure this will be familiar. Yeah. Um, so the limits to confidentiality generally are if you disclose risk to yourself or others, mm -hmm. risk to a child. Um, risk to a child, there's a statutory legal, not to mention moral responsibility to disclose that information. Yes. Um, but also if you as an adult disclose that you're at risk of harm to yourself or others, 
that's a bit more of a gray area, but mm-hmm. it's certainly in there. Um, and then s- disclose risk of a serious crime or you disclose details of a serious crime or terrorism. Yeah. Right. So that's generally in your confidentiality agreement. That's pretty major terrorism. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's, that's so important. I, it's crazy that we haven't really brought it up before now. We're only, mm-hmm. this is episode six. I know. We do have a lot of ground There's to cover. There's a lot to say and yeah. it's hard. But yeah, the, the, like speaking as a client, the process of laying down that confidentiality stuff in, I think you do that in like the first mm-hmm. couple yeah, of sessions. Do. It has to be done right away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's important stage, obviously, for like setting the tone of this is a professional arrangement, but it's also personal. Here are the parameters. Here's our agreement. We're about to start working on something together, which is a nice way to look at it. It's the, you know, the counselor or therapist is saying, here's how I'm going to look after your information that you tell me. Um, I remember s- sort of experiencing that for the first time as a client and being like, oh, they're, they're taking me seriously. That's very nice. And that can be a little bit like kind of maybe that hasn't happened for you before. And you, this is your first foray into someone sitting down listening to you being like, I'm I'm here to, you know, take care of this shit. Let's do it. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, there's a seriousness to those initial sessions when those things are discussed and set out in quite specific terms um and as i was thinking about this as a client i've always felt kind of awed by those sessions um because you show up to therapy with your weird awkward problems and your strange like i can't really deal with like going to college and feeling all a bit weird and then suddenly there's this professional person who's taking you seriously um and saying let's sign this contract. Here's how we will deal with these things. I will treat you like this. Um, and that can be like overwhelming and touching and gratifying at the same time, all mm. in this one sort of big experience. Um, so like you're saying, it's a, it protects you like legally, but psychologically as well, mm-hmm. because you are going, wow, okay, th- this is, they're going to emotionally engage with me here and mm-hmm. it has to be done in an official way um and those things i mean if you talk about if you use the terms like confidentiality agreement that Mm -hmm. could sound to the outsider or someone who hasn't experienced it in this setting like a bit adminy or dull or whatever Mm. um but handled correctly and sort of given the proper amount of gravitas that can be like an important establishment of trust in the client um therapist relationship yeah. So um, it's a big deal to talk about this confidentiality biz. It is. And also I'm sighing in this satisfied way because you're going to be such a good therapist. Oh. <laughs> because, Stop you it. know, well, no, so nice. first of all, that was a beautiful thing to say that it can oh. be overwhelming and extremely touching that, yeah. you know, that this person is, is taking you seriously. And I think that we do, we are, we can be sensitive as counselors to the, that there's less warmth in that part of the procedure. Yeah. And also we want, what we want to do is we're wanting to welcome somebody in and engage with them. Mm-hmm. And whenever you're saying, if you tell us something that, you know, we don't like the sound of, we might break our confidentiality with you. Yeah. But we'll tell you about it beforehand and this kind of thing. And because I worked with parents, that was a major, very, very significant part of the confidentiality agreement. Yeah. So if you disclose risk to a child, and often there were follow up questions about that. Sure, yeah. Um, and, um, 
yeah, it's it, it's a it is a tricky balance to find in that first relationship. You're wanting to say, "I'm a warm person who's going to hold you in this, yeah. you know, in this relationship." And you can trust but also, me. and you can trust me, but also it's a professional one, yes, and it's an important part of what we call the boundaries of the relationship. Mm. Um, so we are going to talk about this a bit more, um, because we are going to talk about the characteristics that you look for in a therapist, which we yes. have a sort of a list of. We'll come to that in a couple of minutes. But so the boundaries of a relationship, so that includes like the time constraints. So the fact that it's a 50 minute or a 60 minute session mm-hmm. um, the regularity of the sessions, the fact that you're saying you agree to attend. Yeah. You're agreeing to attend to this and regularly. Payment, stuff like payment. Payment, yeah. The nitty gritty. Um, and again, I can't believe I didn't cover this stuff because it is the fundamentals, but Counselors take these boundaries very seriously. And in your training, you talk a lot about boundaries because they they protect the client and they protect the counselor. Yeah. Um, and so they also include how your relationship is a professional one between client and counselor. And it shouldn't stray outside of that. Yeah. Um, and there's that is something that's relevant to our discussion later. So I don't want to d- talk too much about that yet. So will we move on to that section, actually, Hans? Yes, please. That okay. was all a bit of housekeeping that we needed to do. But it's yes, good. but I think actually it was just sort of relevant chat as well about how we, relevant you know, chat. about relevant, relevant chat, chat about therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's the point of the podcast, actually. So, Ems, you are on Twitter. Yes, I am. Well, we as a podcaster on Twitter, but yep. I think my sensibilities social media wise are more suited to Instagram so yes. I look after the Instagram account and I look, after, look after the Twitter. Twitter yeah and that is how we work things I don't really understand Twitter I'm a little bit scared of Twitter but these this idea was yours of a, of a Twitter thread that you saw about yes. like was it a, was it a therapist tweeting it saying like what yeah do you it was a therapist who um I think she's an eating disorder therapist and oh, okay. I've just connected with a lot of different people on Twitter who are either therapists or they are interested in therapy or they're mental health um warriors Ooh. you know yes i love it it's it is amazing <laughs> and there's it's opened a lot of um you know conceptual avenues i think for me being oh, on wow. it. sorry that got, got serious fast <laughs> but yes there was this twitter thread conceptual avenues i like that sorry that sorry. was good i have a phd you know oh. um <laughs> So, um, yeah, this Twitter thread where some, they had asked the question, um, what characteristics do you look for in a therapist? Um, so this list. Yes. From a Twitter thread. From a Twitter thread. I mean, some I have of the things that people said. Yeah. It's quite a broad question. It's massive. It is a massive question. Yeah, you're right. I was just interested to see what people would bring up. I thought it was quite an interesting thing. And so I just noted down some of them without being specific at all with about those people's wording. Yeah. Because again, I don't really know how that works. So, you know, yeah. if this is plagiarism or whatever. If it but is. It's just to open up a discussion, really. Sorry if it is. Um, so some of the things that people said were... Um, some people responded regarding modality, saying they appreciated counsellors who took... A combined approach to CBT, psychotherapy, family therapy, etc. A uh-huh. chilled attitude to whatever feelings emerge, which like, who mm. wouldn't want that? That's a very important one. Um, someone said, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to say things to you, give advice, etc. Which is kind of 
Uh, well, I wanted to talk to you a bit more about each of these, yeah. But can we just pause on that one for a second? So, mm-hmm. what do you think about about a counselor giving advice? Because so there's a sensitivity in this around the discussion of counseling practice in that. Um, so the client is the expert generally mm-hmm. in most modalities. You're not telling anybody what to do. So you're, yeah. the counselor yeah, yeah. does not want to tell the client what to do. Um, but you are supporting them and them, them making their own decisions and, and finding solutions to their problems. Yeah. However, it's quite hard to do that without ever giving (laughs) what might be classed as advice what do you think about this well this is interesting because in conversations with friends I have kind of come up against this a lot of the time or like even with more it comes up more in casual conversation like with colleagues or whatever Mm -hmm. because I think I think I've mentioned before like I will be quite open in work like I make a point of being like oh no I can't do that day I have therapy Mm -hmm. or you know, oh no, I need to get away early and I have a therapy. So, blah, blah, yeah. blah. So the people know that that's what the crack is and it's not some like secret. Yeah. Because that's our whole deal. Yeah. Right? That's and, what like, we're doing here. That's yeah. what we're doing here. This <laughs> is what this is all about. <laughs> so, um, then that can, you know, if you're talking to someone who's interested in that, they'll be like, oh, so like, what do you do? What do you do? And like, do they just like tell you how to do shit? And mm. do they like fix your life? And I'm always like, no, they don't do any of that shit. They fucking sit with you while you do those things mm. for yourself. But they, you know, they they bring you to the water, so to speak. So I was trying to think, actually, when I was um, writing this, like, can I think of any times when I've been given advice? And I don't, I can't really, mm. unless it has been, say, in kind of darker times in my life when mm. I was like, maybe partying a bit too much. And I would bring this up in session, uh-huh. just kind of being honest, like, yeah, you know, I got really drunk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do remember a few times when it was, I mean, obvious to me that mm-hmm. I shouldn't be doing those things. And my therapist was kind of like, you probably know this, but, you know, I'm just going to say if you're depressed, going out and drinking and taking drugs is not, mm. that's not going to do you any favors. And I was like, I know. Yeah. So it's not, that's not really advice necessarily. Well, it's kind of... I can remember an, a specific example. Um, and so basically I was talking about, um, whether I should, I was talking about a, the possibility of doing a thing. Wait, is this you as a client? Or? This is me as a client. Okay. Right. So it's just because it's the thing that comes to mind, first of all. So I was talking about the possibility of doing a thing. And, um, my therapist said, I don't think that would be a good idea. Mm. I don't think you're in a place where that would be a safe and healthy thing for you to do right now. Right. Maybe in six months. So you could, you could explore doing that. Yeah. But right now I think you, you, you're too vulnerable to do so that. They thing. must have really emphatically believed that, that was a bad idea. They were 100% right. Yeah. <laughs> and I appreciated that advice so much. Ah. I, I instantly felt relief and kind of like, and validation and a sense yeah, yeah. of like, you know, the, yes, my sense of that was right. I don't need to be worrying about this right now. I can, I can put the brakes on that and mm. put it to one side for a while and think about, come back to it at another time. Okay. Um, I think I probably have given advice as a counselor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, obviously you're not, you never want to tell anybody what to do and you wouldn't. I mean, 
it would be a really bad idea to do that anyway, because how do you know how that's going to go in their lives and what, yeah. what they do? Do you know what I mean? So that's true. Yeah. But, um, saying things like it can be, you know, it might not be a good idea to get into arguments with your ex partner yeah in front of your child yeah or you know i don't think you should adopt five dogs right now that doesn't seem like the best choice for you <laughs> back away from the adoption website you know That's, that yeah. kind of thing i come up against that one quite a lot but yeah yeah so they giving advice it's not about that really it's about no it's not about giving advice but the thing is is that i've also had clients who have said or or maybe people just talking about therapy who have said it really annoys me when, when they won't tell you anything, like they won't, they just always reflect it back to you and they won't, I want them to tell me what to do. Oh. Now, I do think that Freud would have a field day with that in terms of their locus of evaluation is clearly on, external. Guys? Well, yeah, that's weird. Like, I don't really want that. I suppose a lot of it's to do with personality because like, I don't really like being told what to do. Some, maybe some people do. I don't really know, but the, there must be something specific there about like if you're frustrated by a lack yes. of guidance. Well, that I just mentioned there about your locus of evaluation. So essentially, um, particularly in person centered counseling, um, your locus of evaluation is basically how you make decisions or how you judge whether your actions are correct or not. Mm-hmm. And somebody who has an internal locus of evaluation, they judge their actions and make their decisions based on their internal evaluation process of themselves Uh, uh but if you have an external locus of evaluation it means you're constantly asking other people what do you think I should do mom what do you think I should do dad what do you think I should do you know that kind of thing Mm. and part of the process of maturation as you're growing and your parents are trying to get you to be an independent person is that your locus of evaluation moves from when you're a child and it's entirely external and your parents guide what you do yeah to being internal so that you can guide your own actions. Ah. So those people who are very frustrated by that process might find that they need, they feel like they need more external guidance to help them make their decisions. Right, that's very interesting. And I just think it's one of those questions where people have different opinions about it. Some people are like, I would like them to give more advice. Some people are like, I don't, they're not allowed to do that. They shouldn't (laughs) tell you what to do. Um, And I think I'm a bit in the middle. Like if, if it's a really good counsellor, they're going to be sensitive to what you might need to hear and what you might not need to hear. And they're certainly not going to tell you what to do with yeah. your life all the time, you know. Also, if they're, you know, decently listening to you, they should be able to pick up from how you're presenting your problems. Yeah. Being like, do they want me to kind of guide them or do they want me to just listen and be like, oh, that sounds terrible. Yes. What a shit time for you. Yeah. But that, yeah, that's interesting. That kind of made me think about... um my own relationship to being given advice because generally I am a little bit anti that. Um, so another thing that people brought up in this thread, which I think is really interesting, to ha- and I had never thought about this, mm. to have a life outside of being a therapist and not be afraid to share it. Mm-hmm. Some people you said were really strong in this point and they hated when therapists refused to share things about themselves and avoided self-disclosure. Mm-hmm. And it says, you've written here, someone else mentioned that their therapist had talked a lot about themselves and this is obviously not what you want. Yes. I have had that experience. Oh, have you? I haven't had the frustration <laughs> of being like, oh, I want to know more about them. No, I, I think, think that you shouldn't want to know more about them. It's this. nice if it's offered, if self-disclosure is offered in a relevant 
way yeah. to enrich what's happening in the session. But it's not yeah. like if you say, uh, I'm I'm depressed because one of my horses died. If they're like, well, I rode horses as a teenager. And let mm-hmm. me tell you, you'd be like, right, I, this is about you now. That's a red flag. Just, red flag. Just so people know that's a red flag. Um, So obviously you don't want a, a therapist that wants to talk about themselves all the time. Yeah. That is not what this relationship is about. It's not like a normal friendship relationship. If you're talking to your friend over coffee mm. and you say about a problem that you have, and they immediately change the subject to a problem that they have, you will find that irritating. You want to stay on your own problem for a little while, even when you're talking to a friend. Mm -hmm. But at some point, the conversation will shift and they will share things about themselves and their own life. And that's how that kind of conversation works. But a therapy relationship is different. It's the therapist is not going to share a lot of details about their lives or what they are thinking about things in the moment and stuff like that. Yeah. Or their problems or are their problems. Yeah. So this um can be traced back to Freud again. Okay. Mm. So we talked about this when the therapist presents as sort of like a blank slate. So they yeah. give very little feedback. They sat above the head of the person. Um and this was to allow the client to project their transferred feelings about others, mm-hmm. usually their parents onto the therapist where they could then be analyzed. Okay, right? cool. So I think later trans, uh, traditions such as person-centered, I mentioned this before, it moved to more of a mirror analogy. So rather than a blank slate where you couldn't, you, you couldn't get any, you couldn't read anything off the therapist, mm. it became more like a mirror where empathy was used so heavily that the therapist was reflecting the feelings back to the person there where the feelings could be further analyzed. Okay. Cool. So, that's the first thing is that this was a process that was designed to allow the feelings of the client to be prime, to be, to have primacy in that room. Right. Okay. Um, and the therapist sharing things about themselves would only be if it's relevant to the client's process. So as you said, self-disclosure, if it was relevant and helpful and yeah. added something to the client's process, because the relationship is about the client's process. Yes. That's the point of it. That is the thing that I think people who have not had any experience of counselling or, or therapy are are curious about. Mm. And it, it's so interesting, like, because it seems so normal to me that um, when I go into a therapy session, I just go in and just be like, right, so this, sh- we're to hear this shit. Like, this is what happened. I'm really struggling with it. I feel like a freak for whatever reason. And then some... I think if you are not familiar with that dynamic that's happening in the therapy room, mm. people hear that and go like, what? You just go in and just start talking. What do you say? Mm-hmm. You start talking. Do you do like a bit of small talk beforehand? It's yeah. like, well, it depends. But I'm there to fucking do business yeah. a lot of the time. Like, I'm I mean, you to- really are. Yeah. <laughs> I go in like, right, here we fucking go. This is the agenda. <laughs> I've got stuff to do, stuff to sort. Um but that is what, like you say, it's not a friendship. Mm-hmm. You're not going, hey, so like what's going on with you? What about such and such? You're not, um, if you're talking to a friend about your problems, that's totally different. You're Because you are sharing information, looking for a common ground. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. when maybe those things come up where you're like, yes, that also happened to me. Yeah. Oh my God, I felt like that before and mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on. Um, 
the therapist is not going to necessarily do that unless yeah. they think that it will really move you along with your mm. with what you're trying to explore. But it's not a they're not swapping. You're not swapping stories in therapy. You're mm -hmm. you're presenting a problem and seeing what you can bring up, not what the therapist can be like. Oh yeah, that happened to me too. Yeah, because they could say that, and you could go, well, so what? Or like, well, how are you going to help me with it? I know that's, I, that's absolutely right. Actually, I was listening to um an episode of this Jungian Life, and they were talking about the the concept of the wounded healer. Ooh. Um, and it was a great episode and. You know, they were talking about this thing of self-disclosure when, um, you have faced similar trials and, and, you know, difficulties and, um, and traumas in your life that it can be helpful for clients to feel that you really have a sense of where they're coming from. So it can be helpful. I'm not saying that it can't be, but it's done very carefully yes. because it's definitely not about the therapist. Sure. It's about the client. That's what it has to remain about the client. But then the other important thing about this is it is again about boundaries because yes, absolutely the therapist has to protect their privacy and their emotional integrity by not sharing their information with someone who hasn't agreed to keep it confidential. Yeah. So say more about that because the client, that suggests to me that the client is not bound by the same strict confidentiality. No. Or what do you, what no, does that mean? No, because that is a professional, um, arrangement. So the, the counseling contract is essentially saying, I as a professional agree to, um, keep your information private. So you're going to share your information with me. You're going to share details of your life. And I agree to keep that private. Mm. Um, and when I go to supervision and I discuss the clients that I have, I will you know, refer to you anonymously and I will keep it very confidential. Mm. And um, I will only break confidentiality under these legal yeah. situations, right? But there's, it doesn't professionally work the other way so the client is not agreeing to keep their own they can go home and literally say wait you hear all the stuff i told my therapist right, which i have okay. done i have I done have to never Marty. thought about that i have never yeah. thought about it as the the reverse yes well because the client the counselor has training the counselor or the therapist has trained and they are adhering to a code of ethics a professional code of eth ethics mm -hmm. which requires them to be bound by those arrangements but the client is not under any of those same things oh. right so it's, okay it isn't it isn't really safe for a counselor just to disclose their personal information to a client yeah because the relationship doesn't work that way okay right um, okay that's very interesting so yes that brings a whole nother dimension to a counsellor doing self-disclosure. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and they do do it. I think they do it carefully. It, the other thing is, is that we live in a in a world where we share stuff all the time, mm -hmm. right? So people share a lot of stuff about themselves on Instagram. They do, you know, they make little videos on stories. I mean, not that many people that I know, but I know that a lot of younger people that's what's happening will right share there. a lot of emotional stuff and things that they're going through very personal things on social media. Mm -hmm. So that means that we kind of live in a world where sharing is seen as something that is, um, nor it's kind of normalized. Yeah. However, there's a cost to sharing. Yeah. There is a real cost to that. It's, um, it's emotionally, uh, difficult 
you're not protecting yourself mm-hmm. if you just put all your information out or put all share all your internal most thoughts. Those things um are the delicate parts of yourself. Yeah. And if you put out your heart into the world and then somebody stamps on it mm. that you've you've you know, you've made yourself more vulnerable. Yeah. So but we're so we're used to sharing, but at the same time it's 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 not that careful a way to be with your own feelings. And a counselor, if you think about it, if they self disclosed with all of their clients, so it's not just they're not just self-disclosing with one client, you know, they've got, say they've got 10 clients. Yeah. If they did that with every client, they've just, you know, put their information out. They've given their, yeah. they've shared parts of themselves with multiple people, not just one person. Yeah. And they have no control over what that person goes and does with that information. Yeah. Right. So all of that is to say that they're not being rude by not telling you about their lives and their children. Yeah. They're being professional. They're being professional. And also they're probably constantly in a process of very carefully assessing whether or not it will be useful for the client, mm-hmm. which yeah. is hard. Do you know what I was thinking about recently? What? We actually recorded this podcast before. Do you remember? Yeah. I mean, obviously you do, but our listeners don't know this at all. Yes. So we had a trial run of recording the podcast. Was that pre-COVID? That's how I long ago that was. I think it was pre-COVID. Oh my God. Was it? That's I don't so even. Know. I don't it, even it know. It was, yeah, it was. Well, it was pre-COVID, but it was also we just didn't quite know how we were going to do it. Yeah, um, we, we didn't just, quite know what we were doing yet. No, arguably um, we still don't. Yeah, but we definitely <laughs> made no plan, and we just thought it was enough to have microphones. Basically, we, we had microphones, and we basically just came and talked about stuff into microphones, which is fun, but it's not. Does not a good podcast make necessarily? Well, yeah, I mean, it was just a bit chaotic. I think is the thing. Yeah. Um. So, uh, we we left it for a while and then we came back to it because we obviously really wanted to do it. But the reason why I was thinking about it is because I told this story of a um a a tutor that I had on the counselling course who told a story about how she was had a client one night and she was dressed for like the opera or something really fancy. Who the client? No, the counsellor. The counsellor right? So she had this client. She didn't have time to get changed after the counselling session. So she was really fancily <laughs> dressed for the counselling session. I do okay. remember this story and it always makes me laugh. because yeah. it's, it's quite strange. It's so yeah. strange, yeah. So the, the client came in. It was a male client and he was taken aback by how dressed up she was. <laughs> and so he, I'm not sure, I can't remember if he asked directly about it straight away, but I think he started to allude to the fact that she was dressed up. In evening wear. And I remember her telling the story and she just kept saying, mm. and she just kept deflecting, deflecting the questions, deflecting the yeah, questions, not smart. refusing to answer. She didn't answer. She didn't want to answer where she was going. And I remember thinking it was just so it just distracted from the whole session. Whereas if she sure. had said, I'm very fancily dressed because I'm going to the opera after. Yeah. Um, but I'm really here for you now in this session. So if we can just focus on you and what you wanted to bring yeah. this evening, then he could have had his session and left that by the door. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where if you could, tr- you know, try not to be too, um, stuck on it, you know, just be human. Mm hmm. Yeah, because then he's he's gone through that session and there's like a whole like 
murder mystery element to that <laughs> session in his mind because he's like and so one time so therapy's going really well but one time I turned up and she was inexplicably in evening wear <laughs> she was wearing a tiara and she would not disclose why like I would be fucking freaked out if I was that client I know and it kind of it brings into question like their entire professional relationship because it's like is she going to continue to dress in evening wear for the following <laughs> sessions to normalize it is it going to be like her shtick yeah that's fucking that's quite weird and also i don't know maybe it was like a maybe she was trying to be professional to to a point where it kind of became yeah well i mean hindrance. i think she obviously felt very strongly about it because she brought it up in and as part of her training that she was giving us, you know, yeah. and again, that's to illustrate that it is something that we talk about, you know, in yeah, training, yeah. you talk about um self-disclosure and sharing things about yourself. I mean, I was often asked directly if I had children and I just said, yes, I do. Yes. Because you were working with parents. Yeah. So I think they, you know, I was younger than the other counsellors and I think very often people saw me and went oh, this, uh, I wasn't what they expected. And so they, sometimes they at first thought I wasn't going to know what I was talking about. And then a few mothers usually asked me directly, do you have kids? Mm. And I just said, yeah, like, well, I mean, I I don't know. There's no other answer to that question. I'm obviously just going to be honest. I'm not going to then start talking about them and tell their names and ages or anything else. But, you know, I think you have to be just normal and human and, and realize that, Yes, it's interesting to think why the person might want to know that information mm-hmm. about you. Clearly, they thought um, if I didn't have children, I wouldn't know what I was talking about, which is entirely wrong. It's yeah. entirely wrong. It was not a prerequisite of the job that you had children. Yeah, yeah. You know, to be a counsellor of parents, you don't. Oh, whoops. Sorry. She dropped her page. I was listening so intently that I lost grip on my page. Um, but you can, like, from a client perspective, you can see why they wanted because probably they were talking about their kids. Yeah, and like that's probably quite vulnerable. I don't have kids, mm. so if someone, if a parent was asking me, like, "Oh, I've, I'm having this problem with my child. Do you have children?" I'd be like, "No, sorry." Sure, but if you were a trained if you were a professional counsellor or therapist, mm. you could empathise with somebody whether they had children or whether they had one leg or whether, they, do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, for so sure, yeah. But you the, can see why they would kind of go, maybe you don't have the, um, you know, you don't know what it's like. That There can be that feeling. Well, now that is another thing that was on that list, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Um, well, it's sort of connected to that, I think, a little bit. Like someone who looks like me, age, gender, sexuality race culture yeah that's an interesting one i i don't know how i feel about those i definitely have um i definitely have uh qualities that i want to see in someone that i'm entrusting with my sort of innermost feelings and thoughts and i think not that they are necessarily like me in all those things Mm. but also that but just that they um have an openness to anything that I might bring to session, mm. like sexuality or um, my own kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Do you know that kind of way? So yeah. it's not necessarily that they look like me or behave like me or act like me or um, no, I share agree the same with you interests. Because, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But I think um, 
I think that this comment came from somebody who felt that um, like a white cis man wouldn't be able to understand her perspective enough for her to be to, to want to engage in that yeah, therapy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is reasonable, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, so, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that, but I, I think people have to be able to to feel comfortable. And if that means feeling um, that they can identify with the person in some way, shape or form, then I think that's got to be. Yeah, Gotta or if not, if not identify, at least not feel othered by them in some way. Yeah. But I guess there's one here that just says vibes. And I think that fits <laughs> under vibes. <laughs> yeah, well. Which is like any friendship, you want to know that you get along. You yeah. don't necessarily have a lot in common, to have to have a lot in common with someone to just be like, I like them. I We get along. Mm-hmm. We vibe yeah. to use it as a verb, which I, I don't really like doing. Um, but th- reading this, reading this list, I was like, I can think of so many different stops and starts that I've had with various counsellors. And the ones that stick in my mind as unsuccessful are the ones who I just didn't like. Yeah. And there's no one reason Mm. Or I just didn't feel comfortable with them or I felt we're not. I think the main unifying factor in all of them is that I didn't feel like I was really being listened to. Yeah, that's hugely important. Which kind of just made me go like, what's what like, what am I even doing here? Or I think there was one specifically where I felt like I was too much. I was bringing Mm. too much to the session and it was in uni. So I think it was through the university I kind of gone to like the the student support services and was like, can I have some counselling? They sent me to this woman who was lovely, mm-hmm. perfectly good counsellor. And I just really want to be like very kind here and say, just because I didn't really get much from the sessions doesn't mean that she hasn't massively helped many other people. But um, just my main kind of memory of it was like her being like, what do you think brings you to seek counselling? And as we've discussed, I'm I'm pretty much like straight to business in these mm. sort of things. So I quite quickly said something along the lines of like, well, I, you know, I've lived in London for a few years and I moved from Belfast to get away from a family member who's an alcoholic mm. and left this kind of pause to be for her to be like, right, OK, here we go. Yeah, Here's that's important. Thing. Yeah. And she, for whatever reason, she did not do that and never asked me about it again. Wow, that is so interesting. <laughs> or ever really acknowledged it. And wow. I was kind of like, are we never, am I going to have to say that again? Like, did you not hear me? Like, that's a big oh. deal. So I think I just completed the 12 sessions that I was given and left it and was like, cool, I did, I did, I did counselling there. Great. Mm. And shockingly, Emma, I didn't feel any better. <laughs> yeah. Not so, surprising, really. <laughs> that's <clears throat> just a, quite an extreme example, but a true example of, um, I just, something didn't work. Well, I mean, one of the, you know, just to bring it back to that list, you know, empathy and compassion. Mm. I think that that counselor was maybe scared whenever he said that. Like, I think they were overwhelmed and didn't know. They maybe were just at the beginning of their training or something or or their practice. Possibly, yeah. Meaning that they didn't really know how to acknowledge this huge thing. Mm. And maybe they felt a bit like, okay, they brought it up directly at the start um, I don't, I, maybe they felt they couldn't then just ask you about it directly. Tell me about this family member then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think, uh, but yeah. an experienced counselor would have known how to deal with that. They would have known, right. Yeah. Okay. Then, well, this Which is the is, main reason they're here. This, this is, is what the, I've since yeah. discovered is that, 
um, you can you can just be like, this is the thing that I think is wrong yeah. and I need to talk about it. But maybe she was expecting me to come in and say, you know, I'm really stressed with uni, which I was, but I also <laughs> needed to talk about this big thing. Oh, um, yeah. Probably so, the majority of people were like, I'm stressed with uni and also there's I, a boy problem or a girl yeah, problem or whatever. But, I'm sure I had all that shit going on as well, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I went, I went in all guns blazing and... Just the dynamic did not no. take off. But I think what fine. she could have done is she could have acknowledged that and said, you know, this is a safe place um, where you can talk about that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want you to feel safe to talk about that here with me. And if she had have said that, I think that probably would have led to emotional just emotional depth if you had felt held to talk about that you know yeah that would have been well the reason the reason I bring that up is because um when we're kind of having this discussion about like what do you look for um what do you want to find in a therapist where do you want them to practice what do you want their modality to be what Mm. what do you want them to charge you could I mean there's no accounting for the personal dynamic for the a lot vibes, of the time. Yeah. You can't really find out about vibes on a website or over the phone. So my point is you can get as specific as possible and it still might not work. Yeah. Of course. And you just have to kind of trust and believe that it is worth continuing to try because that was what, like six years ago or something mm-hmm. that I had that experience. And if I think about the and it was not the first or last time that I've kind of done sessions with someone and been like, right, um, mm. is that it? Or like, what's the fucking crack? But I am speaking to anyone who's maybe listening to this and being like, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Or mm. that's what always happens to me. Yeah. I've never been able to find someone good. I think therapy's a crock of shit. Mm. I'm saying, please keep trying because it is yeah. very possible. And there's nothing wrong with you for... um you know, maybe needing someone quite specific or wanting a certain level of depth that you have not been able to find yet. Yeah. Um, do not get disheartened. Is that fair to say? No, I think this might become one of our mottos off the show. Keep trying to find a therapist that's right for you because we have said this before and yeah, I yeah. think it's really, really important point. Because I do think there's people out there who's, who will say, I've actually have tried this more than once. Yeah. Guys, oh, you yeah, know, for sure. This is all very well what you're saying, but I yeah. have tried more than once. And I would just say, you know, um, maybe, you know, try, just try a different avenue, try a different approach. Yeah. Look, look at a different place. Or maybe you want to do group because then mm. it's, there's less pressure on you as an individual yeah. to be just one of two contributing to a dynamic you can maybe ease yourself in that way maybe you'll really buzz off group therapy Mm -hmm. or maybe like me you'll find it incredibly stressful (laughs) but it's good i couldn't do group therapy i don't think it's that's not for me at all no very stressful and it's very intimidating to walk into a room Mm. you're walking into a room of people being like hello strangers i know i'm here to share with you all let's all get real fucking vulnerable but that's it's very rewarding like it's high risk, know. high reward. High risk, stuff. high reward, you're right. Um <laughs> yeah, so that I mean that's nearly us for today. Do you know we don't we actually don't have a problem again? I have no problems. Uh I mean personally I have some problems, no, I'm but joking, I have quite a lot of problems. So there's a couple of things about that. First of all, I think we need to like say it's it's the agony ant corner or something like that, because I think if we say to people, send us your problems 
we are actually open ourselves up for <laughs> people in genuine need. Legal problems? <laughs> yeah, all <laughs> sorts of problems. <laughs> and we do have a disclaimer at the start of the show and we have um, show notes and we have links and we do want to say that, you know, if you are in distress in any way, please do reach out for help on mm. any of those numbers or links that we've we found, yep. as well as us sort of recommending how best to go about finding, finding like your, you know, like your forever home, finding yeah. your forever therapist. Aww. You know, I think we're trying to help you do that. But at the same time, um, instant help is also recommended. And we would say don't don't suffer. Just just, you know, get to go some back help. to what I said in one of the first episodes, recruit. Recruit, recruit a supporter. Recruit, recruit. Yeah. Get your team. Assemble a little gang. Yeah. Of nice pals. Um, I could tell you about a dream I had recently. If uh, you want. Yes. Great. So in, in lieu of a problem, a listener problem, let's have a dream corner. Yeah. Okay. So we can do a bit of both and, and we are still just establishing the boundaries of this show and what we might do. I have a couple of ideas for some other things that we're, we could add in. Emma is the ideas woman of this podcast. I'm sure I have ideas. That by now. Oh, just from morning till night, guys. It never stops. Um, one thing we are going to do actually is we're going to start having some guests on. Guests. Um, yes. Can so, we talk about our first guest? Our first uh, confirmed guest? No. Okay. We can't. Sorry. Sorry. It's a big secret. <laughs> we'll pr- probably talk about it next time. Sorry to tease um, that. Because we might. But we have a confirmed guest. We might what c- I can record say. that in the next couple of weeks. So. Um, so this dream, I've been having a lot of crazy dreams again, I have to say, because, um, as I've been quite stressed, I've been very busy. Um, I'm really tired when I sleep deeply. I think I find that I, um, I wake up in the morning having, or I'm, I have crazy dreams in the morning. I'm Mm -hmm. sort of, I'm wakeful around those times. So this dream, I was pregnant. Okay. Always a good way to start a dream. (laughs) Um, and, uh, we were in a, so we were having a family holiday in a sort of a hotel, but it might have been a boat. Right. And the reason is because there was no windows. So it was like a wooden paneled room right. with a, with a bathroom attached to it. And then you went outside, there was a corridor and there was a series of these wooden paneled rooms and there wasn't windows until you got quite far down into the building. So, um, I'm just realizing that banging is, is Sam kicking the football against oh. the bloody garage. Right. Okay. Anyway, it probably won't come through in the recording. Okay. Um, so, uh, so it was kind of a boat, but anyway, most of the family was there on this, was this I holiday. There? Yeah. Yeah. Aww. I mean, everybody was there. Like, you know, some of them didn't feature heavily in the dream, but everybody was sort of around about and I was pregnant. And then I was like, Oh, I'm going into labor. So, um, on the boat, <laughs> a doctor and a nurse arrived. Or like two doctors or two nurses or two midwives or something, mm-hmm. right? And they were like, so it's triplets. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and I was like, oh, well, first of all, I didn't know I was having the baby. I have nothing ready. And I didn't know it was triplets. And they said, oh, yeah, no, it's triplets. So here's the first one. Right. And so it was a little girl and very healthy looking baby, quite a large baby, mm. like maybe about three months old. Oh, right. Okay. You know That's that, <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, no, just because, like, it wasn't like a newborn. It was like just, yeah, yeah. you know, here's, here's a three-month-old baby. baby, yeah. And then they said, <laughs> yeah, though the next one will be along in a minute. And I kind of went, ooh, like that. 
and then the second baby girl was born uh -huh. right so I was like oh girl, three girls that's gonna be lovely and they were like yeah the other one maybe it'll maybe be born sometime soon Ugh. just you know whatever get on with your life it'll be fine so I started just looking after these two babies that I had I caught I named them um Annie and Kate which mm -hmm. were girls names that I had if I was ever gonna have a girl and um so I started looking after them then one of them pooed and so I was like showing mum like oh look this baby's pooed I'll have to go and find a sink somewhere to bath it <laughs> went off with this one baby. So one baby was lying on the bed in this room, went off with another baby in deep into the corridors of this building mm -hmm. into a room that sort of looked like um, a science classroom. Right. I kept running into family members and then I misplaced the baby. Right, yeah. So then I was wandering around further and I was saying, like, I've sort of misplaced that baby. So I think there's one back in the room and then I've, haven't given birth to one and then but I don't know where the other one is, if you see the baby and then I was kind of like I'm sure it's fine like I <laughs> <laughs> just sure you know it's, it's a dream because yeah. parents aren't like that yeah so what do you think that dream is about um well I mean I have a very definitive thing that I think it's about now because you when I told you about this earlier in the week you immediately interpreted it and I was like oh she's so correct about this <laughs> what did I say I can't remember so you said was one of them called PhD and was oh. one of them called podcast and was one of them called music career yeah and I, yeah. I I laughed and I was like yeah yeah and I could tell exactly which ones they were, were as well. Yeah. See, I can't tell which ones are which. You can't tell I which can't ones. I can't tell from so, that description. So it's just because I, I do feel like I'm juggling a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And actually, because we were talking about social media, I was trying to come up with a plan of how I have nine social media accounts now. Nine? Yeah. What? So I was trying to come up with a plan of how to manage those and you know, and manage to post on them because the whole thing is you have yeah. to keep them active. Otherwise they just die, you know, so. Well, I mean, that seems really hard. Also, you do have two real babies. I do children's. have, yeah, but I mean, obviously they're, they're the ones who are keeping me away from social media. Well, I yeah. can't be getting to my, That's hassle. I have to organize their lives and Emma, get them ready for school and all and Nine feed social them. media accounts might be too many for one person. Yeah, no, we can talk about this off after recording, I think. No, I think well, we should talk about it on recording. No. <laughs> so, I barely yeah. have one. I know. Well, so, but they're all professional ones. So I've got the podcast ones. I've got um music ones. Yeah. Uh, no, then I have personal ones, but then I also have um like the, my research. So it's good when you're a researcher to have a Twitter profile, you know. Yes, I've heard this. And so I have a Facebook page and a Twitter profile, which is um, the parental mental illness one. So mm. um I haven't really begun to establish that in terms of having a presence, posting research, you know, that kind of thing. And yeah, so there's a lot of work to do in all those different things. And um some of them are not birthed fully yet. Why do you think that, what do you think the significance of the wood panelled windowless boat rooms and the science classroom are? Because I'm interested in those aspects. Oh yeah, I mean that's what, do you know, it's funny because when we were doing, the, when we told, told our dreams the other um, episode and we were like, um, you know, we quickly just analysed, oh what does that mean? Oh it's it means it's like the pandemic yeah. or whatever, you know. <laughs> 
it's so funny because, um, you know, like Jungian analysis would be much more in depth. It would be like, what yeah. does that symbolize? And yes. so you always do that kind of thing. So I like those stuff. What does the wood panel and symbolize? I don't know. What does the science classroom symbolize? I don't know. I mean, it actually the science class- classroom, I think that probably the symbolism of that is it did remind me of school. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, I think of that when that, you said that misplaced it. baby is sort of my, is, is kind of the research part in terms of the attention that I was paying at that exact moment to mm-hmm. my, the various strands of my life. The research job was probably the one that I was paying the least attention to. Mm-hmm. So that was the misplaced baby in the educational setting, potentially. Yeah. 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 That would be. And I don't know the wood paneling thing. I suppose it would remind you a little bit of like a really old fashioned therapy room. I mean, that was, that was nice to have everybody around me and these two babies that people were coming in and, and holding them and meeting them and going, Oh my goodness, tri- that's going to be lovely triplets. And even though the third one was, wasn't born, was, um, missing, was absent. And I had a name for it, but I kept forgetting the name oh. in the dream. And now <laughs> I cannot remember the name of it. Did you write this down when you woke up? No, I didn't. You gotta. But you see, the thing is, is that I have had so many dreams recently that stay with me for days. And I don't just mean like I go back and think about the practicalities of them but the 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 feeling that was Mm. in the dream I return to that feeling I keep thinking god that feels like that dream when I was doing that or that or that Mm -hmm. and the other thing I do I do lucid dreaming do you you know this yeah no I didn't know this about you so I do lucid dreaming but I didn't realize it was a thing that that other people couldn't do or had to try and do yeah yeah so I will regularly think to myself okay I'm going to play out the other scenario of this or I'm going to play out if, you know, what if I had all three babies or... You wild know. dreaming. You yeah, that. wild dreaming. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I, so I used to be able to lucid dream effortlessly when I was a kid. Oh, right. Yeah. And I didn't know. And I just thought that that's what you did when you dreamt, dreamt, mm-hmm. dreamed, dreamt. Dreamt, yeah. When you dreamed. And now... <laughs> when you dreamed, dreamed. <laughs> when you're doing your dreams. So now as an adult... Whenever I'm mid-dream and I kind of go, oh, fuck, I think I might be in a dream right now, then I'll immediately wake up and there's a subreddit called Lucid Dreaming and they tell you how to get past that point and stay awake, stay uh, sleeping mm. in, and stay in the dream and be able to enhance the level of lucidity. Oh, yeah. But it's very yeah. difficult. So you're just doing that. I just do it. I just am able to do it. It's not... And I don't want any credit for this whatsoever because it's not something I've worked on. Well, I, I can just do it. Me so. telling you what I've just told you doesn't change that. Cause no, it won't. I've always been able to do it. And I, like, I will sometimes lie down and go, this is going to be good crack tonight. I wonder what oh I'll my God. dream about. And, and then I just sort of, it's entertaining. That's amazing. And I'll go through it and then I'll, the, the other night I did one, I can't remember what the dream was, but I, I played out three different scenarios because I was just curious to see what, you know, that what is it would a, be like. You have a mastery of that skill, which you're just being very blasé about. <laughs> well, yeah, because I put no effort whatsoever into it at all. I can't really claim any credit for it. That's incredible. But, um, so we would love some feedback about whether you would like us to do an agony ant corner or a, uh, dream analysis corner. Yeah, I mean, we can do both. both yeah, fun. and also w- when we say dream analysis, we're very much just discussing <laughs> what potentially things might mean. Yeah. Um, 
and enjoying it at the same time. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think. Get in touch. We love to hear from you. I love hearing people's dreams, but I also love people's problems. Mm, I know. So we need you to decide basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's I what I'm saying. We'll, 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 maybe we'll do a poll on Instagram. Let's do a poll on our Instagram stories and see what people want. Okay. I mean, I think people are a wee bit reluctant to send us their problems potentially yeah. yet. We haven't really established ourselves and I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are trustworthy individuals and also they can send it from a burner email and oh, don't put your name yeah, and totally. your name will not be read. Yeah. You can send it from like, Foxy Minx 55 at google.biz. Yeah. And we won't try and guess who you are if you don't want that. <laughs> yeah. We won't no, try we and do definitely that. won't. Um, oh, I have a really good dream, but I think I'll keep it for next week okay, if we don't cool. have a problem. Brilliant. Okay. Yay. Okay. Right. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Emma. Thanks, Thanks therapy. therapy.